0: Well, it was an exciting trip that we took to Zambia, Africa. If you wish to go there, be prepared for 10,000 miles of airplane flying. Um, it took four planes to get there, and um, we uh, thank the Lord that, that we had a safe journey, both going and coming back. The Lord protected us, we did not get ill or sick from the food or the water or anything else, and that we give God all the glory. Um, how many of you have never flown on a commercial airline? Raise your hand. You've never flown on a commercial airline. Okay, thank you. And I assume the rest of you have. Is that right? Have you flown on one? Okay, uh, then you know what, you kind of know a little better what I'm talking about here. And uh, thinking about when you get on the plane and you get settled in, you put your luggage, you close the luggage rack, and they have a sign that says, Buckle up. And, they tell the stewardess or stewards to get ready for takeoff and they come by and make sure you're buckled in and everything's. but before they leave the ground, they always give you instructions in case of an emergency and they they you've got a, a packet in the seat in front of you. you open it up and it's got all the explanation of what they're talking about. They show you how to buckle your seatbelt and unbuckle it. they show you when the um, air, the oxygen mask come down out of the ceiling, uh, what you're supposed to do to put it on and pull it tight, and uh, they show you that you're supposed to put yours on before anybody else puts theirs on, and that you, uh, in case you're over water, there's a flotation vise under your seat, and you pull it out, and it tells you how to, uh, to inflate it, and it gives you all of these safety instructions. While these employees are showing you all of this, you look around in the airplane, and there's hardly no one that's listening to the instructions. They're all just talking and, and giggling and laughing and looking out the window. And just to, Because they've heard it so many times, they've just become dull or, uh, uh, to the instructions. But I can assure you that if something were to happen, you better be ready to act and act quick because you only have just literally a few minutes Uh, to get out of that plane alive and uh, what what you're supposed to do. Now, I want you to think about the fact that we have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the message of hope. And we've been preaching it a long time. And unfortunately, a lot of people just turn off the message of God and just let it play. And they're not really giving full attention to what's going on. But whenever there comes a time of disaster or there comes a time of judgment of God and it is coming by the way and uh, we need to be we need to be preparing people for the fact that it's coming and what they need to do before it arrives they need to know what's going on so the message today is given in Genesis chapter 19 and in Genesis chapter 19 we uh, uh, cover the story of Lot remember that Lot moved in on the plains and uh, he pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah and he ended up in the city one of the cities and he ended up living there and uh, and God had just his wrath had come to the fullness and it was time that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah but he told uh, Abraham kept asking if I can if I could if you if I can get 10 righteous people will you spare it and of course he couldn't even get 10, he started at 50. But now the, God sends two angels and he sends them into the city. And they, uh, uh, Lot greets them at the gate of the city and tells them to please come to his house. And they say, no, we're going to stay on the streets of the city tonight. And he says, please don't do that, don't do that, come, go with me. So finally they went to his house. And you know the story that these men of Sodom began to gather around the door They wanted those two men inside that house, and they did everything they could get them. In fact, the Bible says those men who were angels struck those people with blindness that they couldn't even find the door. That's where we're going to pick the story up now of, of Lot in chapter 19 of Genesis. And I want to begin reading in verse 12. The Bible says, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides Son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his son-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, up and get you yourself, get you our, uh, excuse me, up and get you out of this place. For the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city and notice what the bible says in verse 16 and lot excuse me and while he lingered lot lingered at the warning of god's judgment and the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters and the lord being merciful unto him And they being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. Father, thank you for this particular portion of Scripture to remind us there are times in life when there's some things we better let go of and leave behind, and there's some things we better hold on to. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, and Father, for using uh, the power of your Word and the power of your Holy Spirit to draw uh, people unto yourself. And Lord... May you be lifted up. May we glorify the name of Jesus. May we praise you, Father, for all that you've done for us and are doing for us. And God, use this message today to speak to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we begin to look here at the instructions that are given unto Lot as to the urgency of the fact that he needs to get his loved ones and get out of this city And he needs to do it very quickly because God is going to rain down fire and brimstone and destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this just breaks your heart to hear that after the warning came from these angels that Lot, uh, it tells us in verse 16, while he lingered. uh, and, And that says something about maybe the way Lot had been softened to the things of wickedness in his city. He lost his influence. He lost his influence because he went to his son-in-laws and he said, you need to get ready, you need to come with us, and you need to get out of there. And they looked at him as mocking them. They didn't believe a word he said. They, They didn't care about spiritual things. They didn't care about righteousness. But God loved his servant Lot, and God wanted him to be spared in his family. And of course you know that Lot's wife looked back and she was turned to a pillar of salt. But the thing that we want to see here this morning is there are things that we need to leave behind and there are things that we need to take with us. Now, I want you to think about this. Even though the instructions on an airplane are given in every flight and the people have ears to hear, they have eyes to see, but many are not paying attention, it is statistically proven that when an airplane goes down in an emergency, when it, when it uh, goes in the water, and there's only seconds in which you can make decisions and get out of that plane, you better know where the exits are. You better know what to do to prepare yourself for that emergency. But we find, statistically, that in, in plane crashes, when planes go down and people are panicking, they're stepping over one another. The, the cabin is filling up with smoke. And what are some people doing? They're trying to open the bay and get their personal belongings out of the plane. And the, and the stewardess of stewards yell at them, do not go after your possessions, drop them and leave immediately. And some of them have died because they stayed too long trying to take those possessions. It tells us something about our lives. And so let's look at some things that we need to live behind in our lives. And uh, the first thing, um, well, no, let me, let me deal with the, uh, the things that we should take with us first. That's a good positive way to start the message off. The things that we should take with us. This uh, mission trip has been an eye opener for Shirley and I to experience to see the love of people who have very little and to see their dedication and commitment. Those of you that were not here at Sunday School, I'm sorry. I should have sent something out, letting you know that we were going to do the video part and show the pictures and talk about it during Sunday School, but I hope that we'll... Brother Jack Baskin will be here tonight. And he, uh, when he met us at the airport in Livingstone, uh, Zambia, it was his 14th country That he and sherry had been in and ministered since they left back in july and he's going to be here tonight he's going to be sharing a lot of things of importance of what he's trying to do to challenge missionaries on their fields and to get them involved in faith promise giving many of the pastors that came to this meeting in livingstone had never been involved in faith promise giving they didn't know anything about it but when the when the conference was finished there were 50 of those pastors who signed up that they would begin doing faith promise in their church that was a miracle in itself and uh, so 50 pastors are going back to their churches and they're going to start a faith promise giving so they can train men or they can send them to bible colleges send them to training centers get them prepared for the ministry and then send them out into the villages and the highways and the hedges and the towns of wherever they can go Uh, To reproduce themselves but some things that we are to take with us one of the things that uh, I brought back from uh, Zambia and I think Shirley could also confirm that is that we brought back a lot of excitement in our hearts a lot of excitement and and excitement is a very important thing to have in our lives and uh, you know it's it's the fact that, that when you get excited about something you get involved in in directly uh, in your life, you get involved in that excitement because you know that that is something that God is doing and man could not do it. You see the miracles of God in the lives of those people who have very little, yet they are so dedicated in what they're doing for the Lord. We we shared this in Sunday school, uh, the fact that many of those pastors and pastor's wives and with children walked for two and three days and spent night on the road or by the road or where somebody might take them in. They walked for three, two to three days and then they rode a, a train for the last part of the trip for a whole day to get to that meeting. That's dedication. Uh, the parking lot at Livingstone uh, Fundamental Baptist Church was not a huge parking lot with a bunch of cars like we have. No, there was, a, there was an area where bicycles were parked. And some of, those, some of those men rode those bicycles over 100 miles to get to that meeting. There, there are very few people in uh, the country of Zambia that can afford a car. There was one dealership that came into Livingstone and set up shop to sell their cars. I don't know how long they were there, but it didn't take them long to figure out we're not gonna sell these cars in this town. They went back to the capital where they were modernized and where the people that could afford, to had the jobs to buy those cars. People just don't make enough money. Their money in Zambia is uh, 10 times less than our money which means if you have a dollar in your pocket, to a Zambian, that translates into ten dollars. If you have a ten dollar bill, that translates into a hundred dollars in Zambian money. They, many of them, the uh, in, uh, employment rate in Zambia is very uh, high, over 20-something percent. And uh, most people, uh, they don't have uh, good paying jobs. Very few do. So it's a poor country and yet those people that we went to in the villages and uh, those those churches and the people that gave in that meeting uh, they were not rich people and they didn't have a lot of money they gave out of a sacrifice and love for the Lord Jesus Christ and that's the way we're supposed to give you know the, 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 Jesus talked about the Pharisee that went up into the temple and the widow and uh, he told his disciples to observe and the, and the Pharisee chunked in a lot of money and the widow chucked in two mites, and he said, "Who do you think's going to go away blessed?" And the, of course, they said the widow, cause she gave it all. That's what I call in sacrifice. But uh, what a tremendous love for the Lord these people, and and it just excited our hearts, and and I recognized that they had a spirit of unity, and that is something very important in a church. We better never leave unity behind. Uh, Acts chapter two verse one, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Chapter four and verse thirty-two of Acts it says, and the multitude of them that believed were in one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which they possessed was his own. Uh, something that we saw happen uh, in many places that we went was the people we're open to the gospel now when you go if you go down here and stand on the corner and try to hand out tracts most people will try to avoid you isn't that right if, if you try to hand or if you try to witness somebody on the street i don't have time or they'll look at it and throw it down not in zambia if you give them something they will read it and uh we passed out tracts everywhere we went but uh in the first church on saturday where we preached six people were saved Two men surrendered their life to go, to, to go into the ministry. Uh, we went to a sick pastor's home. There Brother Jack taught another lesson. Little children and adults came around where we were standing and praying for this pastor and two of those ladies got saved. In the, uh, in the services the first Sunday morning uh, we had the worship service. Six people were saved and six people were baptized. Every service the invitation was given, somebody came to the Lord. That, that is so exciting. And what excited me about the people there uh, and, and what I saw of their love and commitment to one another was the fact that they had their songbook in their tribal language. And there were many different languages there. So they had to have interpretators, uh, people who interpreted the message. They had to speak for their tribe so they could understand what they were saying. But, but what thrilled my heart was, when I went in those little village churches where they had dirt floors, they didn't have much, but here they pick up an All-American hymnal. And I saw that All-American hymnal and I said, Lord, they, it made its way all the way to Zambia, Africa. I saw the, I saw, opened the book up and I saw Earl Smith's name there in the. Get had a part in putting that songbook together. I told the pastors, I said, I know, I knew this man personally. What a godly man he was! And uh, so they'd sing some of the songs in their language, and they'd sing sing some of the songs in English. And they 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 had those. Not only that, but they all had had the King James version of the Bible, who had an understanding of English, and uh, and the fact that their dress code was much stricter than our dress code where did they get all that from let me show you how they got that these missionaries that are building works in different countries that came out of the philippines many of them were saved under a pastor that was saved under a pastor that was saved under the ministry of bob hughes in cebu Those people went out and they carried that message and they carried that uh, type of service and worship and they still hold to it today. One lady came into the ladies' meeting. Uh, Shirley told me about this. One lady came into the ladies' meeting and she had gone out and she had put her wrap on and she put it up to here and she was not dressed properly and the ladies scolded her and sent her back to change her clothes before she came back in the service. Now, wonder if we had that kind of uh, standard. Y- you see, corporation, a spirit of concern, a spirit of excitement. Not only that, but they had an ex- they had, uh, and we experienced a spirit of evangelism. They they were doing all they could. The church in which we held the conference, doing their fifth mission conference, and uh, I think we had that up right near the beginning there somewhere on our video. Um, they, in this conference, had, a, had such a, a commitment and, and a, an, an evangelism that they were witnessing wherever they went while they were there. Uh, in the, in the uh, hotel, uh, it's not a hotel, it was a, um, what would you call it? No, no, I know we were in chalets. What was the, it was a, uh, yeah, what was, the, what was the, it wasn't a resort. It wasn't real fancy, huh? Lodge, thank you. See, I couldn't remember the word lodge, but, but it was kind of like a lodge. It was fenced in area. They took good care of it. It was not new buildings. It was not real super fancy, but it was clean. It was nice, and, and they had prepared us a place to stay there. And uh, while we were there in that lodge, Shirley witnessed to one of the ladies that kept our rooms clean while we were there, and she invited her to come to the services, and she came to the church. She got there a little too late. The service had ended, but the pastor's wife took her and led her to Christ, and she became a born-again Christian because we evangelized. There There was a person who waited on us at the restaurant in the center of it. They had a restaurant. We ate breakfast there every morning and that server got saved later the cook that was in the kitchen who made the food got saved later there were two men who came and had an appointment with dr jack to talk to him about what we believed and what we practiced and why we practice it you see the these people were hungry for the word of god and the people there were hungry to give them the word uh, and, and that's so important uh, in the evangelization of our land think about uh what we need to do in evangelizing our community i mean we have schools with thousands of children in them we have workplaces with thousands of people working in it hundreds if not thousands we have we have places we go and uh, we are with people all the time and uh, we meet them on the street uh, and we have the opportunity to be a church of evangelism. We have a city that is not yet one to the Lord. We have a people that are still lost. And Luke chapter 12, verses 47 48, God says that when we're given much, He expects much from us. And we are truly blessed with what we can do for the Lord. And it's busy that we do those things that need. And, and another thing besides evangelism, expectation do you believe the lord can fill this auditorium completely with people yes i believe that why because when we started in a little building over here and we had a seating capacity of a hundred people we we saw the lord fill that building and at one revival in that little church building there was 168 people present for that revival in a 100-seat auditor- Listen, it was just packed. We had chairs wherever we could put them. People, people had, the visitors had to sit up in the very front of the church. And then when we built the second building and dedicated it in 1994, uh, could God f- fill that building? It would seat uh, 220. Before we got to start it on this building, that building was packed. And, and we had one pastor who came and I asked him to pray and he said, God bless the Sardine Baptist Church. We were just like a bunch of sardines, and they're packed in tight. I believe God can reproduce that very same thing in this auditorium. All it takes for us is to continue to do what we've always done, and that is to be faithful in church, to be faithful in our worship, to be faithful in our tithes and offerings, to be faithful in our love to people and concern for people, and continue to do what we've always done. We find that God can do the impossible. And so we trust Him. Listen, Psalms 81, verse 10. It says, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. God's, what is God saying? He says, I want some big mouth people. Now, there's a little gourd hanging on my back patio right by my back window, a sliding glass door, and I hung it right there this, this past year. And there were three, not one, not two, But there were three sets of birds raised in that one gourd. As fast as one would hatch them out and get them out flying and go, another one would come and start another family. And I watched how these birds reacted to the parents bringing them food. As the the birds, the mama and the daddy kept going and taking straw in and getting the thing all set up, and then the eggs were laid, and then they would go in and stay, and then they would come out and go feed. And, they, and so whenever these little bitty birds, by, by the way, does everybody know what a house wren is? They're a bird about that long. But they got the biggest mouth. They, got, they can sing the loudest, and they start every morning. But uh, that's what these were. And, and I noticed that when the eggs hatched, The mother and dad came back with with something in their beak to feed you could hear them just barely hear them you you listen real hard you hear them chirping just a little bit they'd go down in there and they'd feed them then they'd leave and i noticed as they got bigger they got louder and as they got to the point where they were ready to start learning to fly i noticed that when the parent would bring the food they would stick their head out this little hole and they would just be chirping. And as soon as they saw Mama Daddy with that food, they opened their mouth wide. Give it to me. Give it to me. And of course, Mama and Dad had to remember which one got to eat and which one didn't. But I tell you, wouldn't it be nice if we, as God's people, were like that? Give it to me, Lord. Give it to me, Lord, so that I can go and do what I need to do. And so we built this church for the purpose as we built the second one. And as the first one was built, it was not built to be a museum. It was built to be used for the glory of God. And uh, that means that uh, people are going to come and uh, people are going to worship. And yes, you're going to have problems. You're going to have some people that don't respect the house of God. They've never been in the house of God. They don't know what to do in the house of God. You need to be patient with them. They've got to learn what it means to honor God's house. And that, that we teach by example we teach by the word of God we instruct and uh, so we use our expectation and I believe that God's going to give us new members and new souls that are saved and praise the Lord for that but it's not because we've been slothful it's not because we've uh, had somebody hitch us up on a piggyback ride it's not because we are couch potato Uh, it's because God's called us to do his great work and uh, Every member being a part, every member doing what they're supposed to do will accomplish great and mighty things for God. These are things that we should take with us and use them every day. Now, there's some things that we need to leave behind. Remember, I told you the story about the plane. If it crashes, they do not want you going for your purse or your your personal belongings or anything. Just get out and save yourself. So, there's some things that we need to leave behind as Christians. What is it? Discouragement. We need to leave discouragement behind. God does not want his people discouraged. He wants to encourage us. And and we need to leave behind doubt and fear. That is something that is not to be in the Christian life. Uh, We're not to fear things. We're to have faith and believe God's promises. We need to leave behind disobedience. God can never bless disobedience. We need to leave behind pride. Pride is not a place for God to work. We know that pride goeth before the fall, says Proverbs 16, 18. Pride does not have a place in the family of God. Now, using the word properly, uh, you need to take pride in what you do. Amen? Amen? You need to take pride in what you do. You need to take pride in the fact that you're doing something that's productive. But when I talk about the pride that you don't need, it's where you believe that it's you and not God that's doing it. It's where you think that what you're doing, is if, if you weren't there, it would never get done. Listen, God will use anyone who would will be willing to be used. But you have to come to Him in the right spirit. And, and another thing that destroys churches is unconcern unconcerned. That's not my problem. Let somebody else do that. Listen, uh, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? If we don't do it now, who's going to do it? It's not going to get done. It is up to us to, to do all that we can. We can't say, we can't win everybody to the Lord in the city of Springfield, but we can do our part. We can have an effect and, and there's some things that can get in a church and get in a Christian's life and get in a person's home and that is, number one, jealousy. We get jealous of some other church, or we get jealous of someone in our family, or we get jealous of another person. And then criticism. You know, we often use the, the term uh, constructive criticism. Well, that may be a thought in mind, but I think the best way to do is to complement and build up, not to destroy and tear down. Yes, there are times when we have to say things or do things that are uncomfortable but they are biblical. Amen? Amen? The Word of God is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for uh, teaching reproof and correction and instructions in righteousness. Uh, we have a platform in which we to live our lives and uh, criticizing people and looking at the flaws. By the way, every one of us in here have a flaw. It's called the human nature. It's called this old fleshly body. And, and we, we sometimes fail the Lord because of our human flaw. But I'm telling you, we have a God who loves us, and he forgives. And we need to make sure that we uh, live right. And, and uh, a church does not need carnality. The church, the church at Corinth had a real issue of carnality, and Paul dealt with it. He said, I would have fed you with meat, but I've got to feed you with milk. Because you're acting like the world. That's sad when Christians act like the world. So how do, how do I act? Act like God wants you to. There's places God wants you to go, and there's places that God doesn't want you to go. And if you just go where God wants you to go, you won't be going where the devil wants you to go. If you're doing the things that God wants you to do, you won't be doing the things that the devil wants you to do. Listen, even when we do it right, We still have problems because the devil's not happy when we're doing God's will. So, excitement, unity, cooperation, concern, uh, evangelism, expectations. These are things that we need to have with us. We need to leave discouragement. We need to leave behind doubt and fear and disobedience and unconcern and pride and jealousy and criticism and carnality. Uh, But we need to leave it at the altar with God. No one should leave this building without Christ. This may be the last service of the last day of your life. Now, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm telling you the reality. You don't know when your life is going to end. Just a couple of weeks ago, my brother-in-law, had tried to get a hold of his brother, who bought a place in Arkansas. Where's that town you always had to go about 15 miles an hour to get through it? Up in the mountains of Arkansas on 63? Huh? Hardy? Hardy. How many of you have been through Hardy? Aren't you glad they put that new highway around it? You can just buzz out there all you want in the, in the open, but you, you go downtown, you better be doing what they say or you're going to get it. But he bought him a place in Hardy, Arkansas at a retreat just to get away when he got off of his work on the, sh- the tugboats. And uh, he was spending some time there in the last few weeks, and, and my brother-in-law tried to get a hold of him. Uh, several of the other family members tried to get a hold of him. So finally one of the brothers went to see about him, and they found him dead. And he had died of a heart failure and collapsed in his home. And he laid there for three or four days before they found him. Listen, death can come at any moment. The thing you need to know is that I don't have to fear death because Jesus conquered death. And he's my Lord and Savior. I've trusted him and his promises that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I, I'm, I know that he's going to resurrect me. And he's going to give me a new body and a, and a new presence in the holiness of God. Don't leave without accepting him as Jesus today if you're not saved. Christian, if you're saved and you've had some of these things, you've been dragging for a while, you've been pulling them behind you, and you haven't let go, why don't you do it this morning? Why don't you let go of those things? Because God said those things will hold you back from doing what he wants you to do. Let's just honor God with our life. and Let's be obedient to the fact that sometimes God's going to tell us to do something and he wants us to do it right now he doesn't want us to think about it i think about uh, uh, a lot here and the fact that the bible says while he lingered he was just kind of maybe he was thinking about all he was going to have to leave that he had worked all those years to have he's going to have to walk away and leave everything and he kind of lingered around those angels grabbed him by the hand and said come on let's get out of here because the judgment of god is coming down let's be sure that we obey the Word of God.